a Guinicor, a Ari Ambassador, a Guinishless, a Corja, and a Gaydal Shias, Minlon, Firkin, Wikis, a Gualig, Austin, Firkin, Fulshushen, and Mahanain, a son of the Ankele Sivin, a seat sanatoy church to Lum, Augustan, a mask, an Ara, a tope, I'm Shahel, and Realtis, a toke, a tias to Lum. Ministers, ambassadors, distinguished guests, Secretaries General, Excellencies of Queen Ushla and Fad, dear friends, it is as I have just said in the Irish language, I would like to begin by thanking you all for the warm welcome. Is Ambassador Gormila Margotas and Corilo Hershen. Ambassador, may I thank you for your kind words. I'm very honoured to be with you all here tonight in this beautiful and remarkable country, and I have already expressed my sincere thanks to the President of the Hellenic Republic and to the government and the Greek people for the very heartfelt welcome that we have, been, that we have received. I speak of my wife, Sabina, and myself, of course, the Minister Regina Doherty, who is the government's representative as accompanying minister to this state visit. And I, all I have to say is that we will all cherish the memory of these special days here in Athens. And of course it gives me pleasure, as it does, to see how, if you like, even in the shadow of difficult times, all those conversations I had all those years ago, such as Million and Mercury in the 1990s, and to think that even if there is a contraction in the material aspects of life, one must never, ever put any impediment in the way of the access of citizens to culture. And Greece is the great, great example of that. And I pay tribute to your Minister for Culture and to all those who work in the cultural sphere for what you have achieved in terms of inclusiveness. I think it, is so, it gives me pleasure to be here in this great hall of music, the Megaron Musikis, and to stand in this magnificent chamber named as it is after Dimitris Mitropoulos a conductor, composer, and pianist who is so associated with the performance of modern orchestral music in Greece, Germany, the United States, among other places. Dimitris Metropoulos was an internationalist in the very best sense of that term, a champion of that which is universal across all our diverse cultures on this planet. The love of the arts, of the written and spoken word, and above all, of music, which knows no boundaries. And this assembly tonight of Greek and Irish talents is surely a reflection of that spirit. As many of you will know, uh, some of you at least, that this is not my first visit to Greece, for Greece holds a special place in my own heart, as it does in the hearts and minds of so many Irish people. It is just a little over a decade, unfortunately, since I last visited Athens. And while here I had the pleasure, as you have heard, that I was then producing poems. I have written just three in the last seven years. <laughs> the presidency <clears throat> isn't good for that side of things. But I have to say that I had the pleasure then of reading poetry in the Athens Centre, hosted as I was by the Greek-Irish Society. The connection between our countries, of course, between Greece and Ireland, is not a recent one, but one that stretches back millennia. 
our respective mythologies stand with the Roman Iranian Egyptian Norse as the last echoes of the tradition of storytelling of the heroic age, when I have said gods were made human, and men who thought to be gods had to settle for being heroic as they walked the earth together. The works of the great Greek historian, of course, of the Greek of the second century, Polybius, provides us with the first written account of contact between our two countries, instigated by the Greek explorer Pythias of Massalia, whose own account of his voyages on the ocean is unfortunately lost to us today. And, of course, being from Galway, on the edge of the, the, the Atlantic and near the great river Corrib, it was the Greek cartographer of the second century, Claudius Ptolemy, who created the first known map of Ireland, delineating and naming the rivers and promontories, and the clans and their cities. Ptolemy recorded the name of the island as the same of that of its people, Iverni, from which the Romans would later derive the name Hibernia, land of winter. To name, and it has been a long one, to name a place is to bring it into the imaginative universe of a culture. But Ireland then has existed in the Greek mind, in Greece, in the Irish mind, ever since those very first encounters more than two millennia ago. I think so many, too, of our literary giants considered themselves Philalenes and drew from this country their inspiration, not only on the genius of the ancient democracies of Athens and Thebes, the wonders of medieval Greek civilization or the beauty of the Greek language and landscape in all its forms, but on the example of the profound culture of the modern Hellenic Republic, as indeed I do. A young Oscar Wilde read Greek, eager in his words, as he put it, for the love of it all. The more I read, he said, the more I was enthralled. And W.B. Yeats wrote of medieval Byzantium, of it being a holy city, which was at once the cynosure of his spiritual philosophy and a reliquary for his soul. But it was James Joyce, of course, whose masters are rightly said to have been Homer and Aristotle, who gave a modernist expression to the epic of the wanderings of Odysseus, whose monumental struggles were reimagined as the voyage of Leopold Bloom on that day through the city of Dublin. And Joyce's literary alter ego bears the name of the first Christian martyr, the Greek-speaking Stephen, and the architect of the labyrinth Daedalus. And we in Ireland are indebted to the Irish philosopher Fran O'Rourke, who I see is with us here, for recovering the depth of Joyce's love for Greece, its language and its people. And I'm delighted that he's, I've said that he's with us this evening. Indeed, I had the honour just a few days ago of conveying good wishes to Stephen Joyce on his 86th birthday, who is grandson of James Joyce, and we spoke of Greece and things Greek. Joyce's love of Greece was shared by Louis Magnus, who was a, a poet and playwright, was not only a brilliant interpreter of the ancient Greek authors, bringing Homer, Thucydides, Aristophanes, Xenophon, Petronius, Apuleius and Horace to BBC radio listeners, but he was an advocate for the Greek people during the dark days of the Second World War. Magnus wrote a radio play characteristically entitled The Glory That Is Greece, 
broadcast on BBC on the first anniversary of the day that the Greek people said, Ochi, to the Axis powers, and summoned the voices of veterans of the Greek War of Independence to celebrate the bravery, culture, and spirit of the contemporary Greek people of that time, to provide an example to those who sought to oppose fascism. As Professor Brian Arkins, my friend and an eminent Irish classicist, has demonstrated, this tradition of seeking inspiration from both the Greek past and present continues to this day. And so modern Irish poets, playwrights and authors, such as Seamus Heaney, who loved Greece, Michael Longley, who spoke and said, I am reversing myself back to Greece, Derek Mahan, Colm Tobin, Paul and Meehan, whom you will hear this evening, and Theo Dorgan, all looking at times to Greece, not only in antiquity, but really to writers such as Constantine Cavafy, George Seferis, and Odysseus Elitis. I am so pleased that Paula and Theo have joined us this evening. And then in speaking of the modern connection between our two peoples, may I take this opportunity to recognise the work of Richard Pine, whose frequent Letters from Greece, dispatched from his adopted home, Corfu, have been published in the Irish Times over the past years. They've been a reminder to those of us in Ireland of all that we share with the contemporary Greek nation. And thus, as two nations on the periphery of the continent of Europe, we may be distant in geography, but we are so close in our common characteristics and historical experiences. We share a long and unremitting struggle for independence against an imperial power. The challenges of creating a nation-state capable of fulfilling the potential and promise of our independence. Seeking to expand the flame, the, the flame of egalitarianism and equality within nationalism. We also, I think, have the experience of surviving uh, the, the hardships produced by unsustainable and unjust economic policies, some of them of which we are not author ourselves, whether sourced, as I've said, in our own countries or in the European Union. We share a continued commitment to protect and promote our respective cultural patrimony. And what an exciting visit I had today to see, to see your most recent efforts of the last decade. Then in December 2017, just last year, UNESCO added the traditional Greek music genre of Rebetiko to its register of intangible cultural heritage. At that very same meeting, UNESCO added the traditional Irish music instrument, the Illan Pipes, to the UNESCO representative list of intangible cultural heritage. At that time, when I was congratulating those who had safeguarded the art of the manufacturing and playing of the Illan Pipes through Ireland's lean years, thousands now play, and we had been down to having just one maker and sustainer of the Illan Pipes. Greece deserves the same commendation for the preservation and promotion of its musical culture throughout what had been the most difficult years. It was a reminder that cultures are not confined to any defined national territory, for we are both diasporic and migratory people, sending our cultural expressions away, having them mingle with others and come back enriched. And because of this experience, we are perhaps more aware than others of the deep moral imperative to welcome all those fleeing from persecution, famine, and natural disasters. 
May I take with the greatest sincerity this opportunity to recognize the compassion and generosity demonstrated by the Greek people in responding to the plight of those who have sought sanctuary on your shores. This response reflects the very best of the egalitarian traditions of this your country, which con it constitutes a vital moral resource for all citizens, not only of Europe, but of this planet. For Greece has so often stood on the front line of the battle for democracy and for a more just and humane world. You have known what it is to face those who promulgate an extreme version of nationalism, those who would seek to divide us against one another on the grounds of ethnicity, religion or nationality, and who would ignore or even perpetuate inequalities in wealth, income and power in an exclusionary way. Only 45 years ago, the students of the Politecnico, only four kilometers west of where we sit today, became the flag bearers of the struggle against dictatorship. And let us never forget them or their courage. And as we now seek to give a new shape to our European Union, and to draw again from maybe make new solidarities between the European peoples, we would do well to remember and recall their bravery, as well as the bravery of those who defeated fascism. Bravery in action, and let us not forget, bravery in thought. They imagined a radical new vision, and we would be well served by invoking some of the emancipatory vision and spirit of those days, and by bringing such a vision and such a spirit into the very centre of the project we try to do together, the making of an inclusive European Union. According to you, dear friends, it is my special pleasure to welcome tonight the members of the Greek-Irish Society, which celebrated its 40th anniversary last year, and indeed all of those Irish who have made their, French, made their home in Greece, and those who support them and are interested in them. Community groups such as the Greek-Irish Society embody the relationship between countries, and their continued activity is an, an important part of diplomacy in keeping some of the Irish culture alive in Greece. I think of my friend Hatto Fisher, who accompanied me on that poetry reading 10 years ago. And I met with the Irish Institute of Hellenic Studies at Athens yesterday, the institute which has been facilitating the Irish study of Greece and its culture over 20 years, and particularly through our universities. And I thank them for their copy of their publication, The Lure of Greece, which they presented to me, and which documents Irish involvement in Greek culture, history, and politics. How well the book is named. It is so aptly named, The Lure of Greece. And while the rich texture of creative relationships over the decades and centuries is well established, I have been delighted to learn of the more recent initiatives and those that are planned for months to come. Collaborations between Greek and Irish artists, writers, filmmakers, actors, musicians, from Corfu to Samos to Thessaloniki. A fine example, of course, is the Athens Celtic Music Festival, which is now entering its fourth year this summer, in which many of those entertaining us here tonight are involved. That condition continues tonight. Nilene Havrasara Mokamanishev, Chana Vispri Ossan made the Megar fall in Oct. 
Kiltori, you just locked the toy shinnum, Ase Tradish and Kyo and Greg is I have no doubt at all that you will all enjoy this evening of entertainment, the one what is to follow, be it poetry, music, song, celebrating our two cultures, the rich with their rich echoes of the past, their great contemporary solidarities, and above all else, their rich promise of all that is to come from our future collaborations. Gramila Mahake is Winchana Vasaniha. I know that you will enjoy the night. It is a privilege to be here as President of Ireland. Mila Buikas, Gramila Mahake. Thank you.